How are we doing, Wolfpack fans? This is Pack Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports. I'm your host, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth. It's going to be a good one. A little quiet on campus this week with sports, but it's still going to be a good one. We preview football's game against Wyoming tomorrow. We also cover men's golf, women's soccer, women's volleyball, and women's tennis. It's going to be a great episode, guys, and stick with us. And we're back, ready to rumble. Like I said, a little quiet on campus, not much going on in terms of sports. Uh, Men's basketball, even though they played last week, didn't do anything this week. Women's basketball doesn't have their first exhibition until the 30th. Just kind of a slow week in the newsroom this week, but that's okay. We got plenty to talk about, and we are going to start it off with football's upcoming game against Wyoming. And we're going to preview that and give you guys everything you need to know about that game that is going to be tomorrow, Saturday. It's going to be noon in Wyoming, but 11 a.m. our time. We face them in Laramie, Wyoming. Everyone else can watch on AT&T Sportsnet. Wyoming is no pushover. They are a decent Mountain West team. They aren't the best, but they aren't the worst. That is for dang sure. They are 5-2 and two on the season. It's pretty impressive. 2-1 and one in Mountain West play. They have wins over Missouri, UNLV, New Mexico, Idaho, Texas State. That win against Missouri was huge to open up the season against an SEC team. And then they lost to SDSU by a slim margin and Tulsa. They killed UNLV in New Mexico, but they are arguably two of the worst teams in the Mountain West. They have kept all teams under 31 points. They let up 31 to Missouri in their first game and has only let up 26 points after that, and that was to SDSU, which is a pretty good team as well. Their offense seems like they have two running backs. They have their quarterback, who runs the ball like a running back, and then they have their true running back. They do not pass the ball whatsoever. Yeah, this team is, uh, they don't like to pass the ball. You know, they're top, or they're second in the Mountain West in rushing yards per game for a reason, you know. They have a really good offensive line, although it's young, it's really, really good. They kind of have that next guy up mentality. I was kind of watching a video on their offensive line, and they've had injuries this season. They've had the injury bug too, but their offensive line is probably one of the best in the Mountain West. And like you said, Sean Chambers um, is like a second running back for them. Yeah, definitely. Sean Chambers, the redshirt freshman, he is 46 for 112 on the season. He only has 112 pass attempts on the season, which is kind of crazy. 757 yards and five TDs and two INTs in the air, but he also leads the team in rushing yards with 547 yards on the year, nine rushing touchdowns. He averages 6.4 yards per carry, but when he does throw, he averages 16 yards per completion, but he only completes 41% of his throw. So if he does throw the ball, look for it to be way downfield, maybe taking a shot after a play action pass. He likes to sling the ball when he doesn't run the ball. Then their running back, who... I guess doesn't play quarterback. I, I don't know. Their whole offense is kind of weird to me. That I mean, they don't throw the ball at all. The rest of their running back load is pretty evenly spread out, though. Their next top rusher behind Chambers is Exavion Exa- uh, Valade, which I know I but- butchered that name. But I'm going to go with Exavion. Exa- Ex- yeah, Exavion Exa- 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 Yeah. Valade. Just not the way I've seen Exavion spelled, but 
He has 425 yards on the season, 92 attempts with four TDs. He averages 4.6 yards per carry. Titus Swen and Trey Smith both were unavailable last week against the New Me- against New Mexico. They also share the load with Valade as the two backups each average five yards a carry. Now the team averages 236 yards on the ground per game, which is good for 15th in the nation and second in the Mountain West behind Air Force. 5.2 yards per carry is also 15th in the nation run 72.5% of the time on offense. They run the ball. They don't pass. They don't even have really any wide receivers to look out for. I mean, you look at this wide receiving core, uh, it's it's nearly non-existent. Their top receiver is Austin Conway, only having 10 catches for 131 yards on the entire season. Only three receivers, including Conway, has over 100 yards receiving on the season. They literally don't throw the ball. It's it's non-existent. No, and it's not going to change. I was reading some articles earlier this week where Craig Bold, the um, head coach for Wyoming, was asked about, you know, are they going to switch up because our secondary isn't as good and our front seven is definitely the stronger part of our defense. And he said, no, that's not our identity. Our identity is pounding the ball with our running back, with Sean Chambers, and letting their offensive line make holes and do work. And Doing the research on this team, it's kind of shocking. Like the 72.5% of the time, it's you know what's coming and they're going to hit you in the mouth with it. And they've been pretty good at it so far this season. Uh, so it's really kind of an interesting team uh, matchup-wise for our defense. And uh, it boasts well on paper, but it's going to be kind of hard to stop them when they've been this prolific all season. Even though you know it's coming, they are very good at what they do. And a lot of teams, they can't stop it. I mean, they ranked third to last in passing yards per game, only 111 yards per game passing so you know that they're going to run the ball, but yet they're 5-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the Mountain West. No, they, you can't stop them. Their O-line, like you said, is very young, but they're very good at what they do. And I'm a little bit scared of our D-line and our, and our front seven in general just because of how good they are at running the ball. But I know that this game kind of matches up in our favor because of that because, I mean, our secondary is not going to get exposed as much. Their offensive line has had to deal with a lot of injuries, but they are very effective. They start three sophomores and a freshman, so a very young offensive line. But like we've been saying, they do what they do very well and at a very high level. Their run defense is very good, just like their run offense. They rank 19th in the country in fewest rushing yards per game at 100 yards per game on the ground. They rank 10th in the FBS in rushing yards per attempt. 2.8 yards per rush. Also, 22 sacks on the season, which is 18th in the FBS. They have a new defensive coordinator, which could be the reason for all this success in Jake Dickert. A large part of this is due to their linebackers, especially their fifth-year linebacker, Logan Wilson, who is second on the team in tackles with 54. He also ranks second in all of the FBS with 370 career tackles. Crazy stat. This defense, Logan Wilson and company, is very good at what they do. They stop the run at a very high level. Their leaders in tackles, though, is not Logan Wilson. It is Elijah Halliburton, a senior safety with 69 total tackles on the year. Halliburton's best game with was their loss at Tulsa, where he recorded 17 tackles and one sack. They do have a strong run defense, like we've been saying, but their pass defense... Obviously, 
it might not be as good. They rank 123rd out of 130 teams in the FBS. They allow 293 yards per game. Looking at their offense and defense, they match up kind of well with ours, even though our offense uh, is mainly running. We want to hand the ball up to Toa. Uh, we've been we've been saying it, 20 touches a game. So we will be able to see how that works out. Maybe if we can average around three to four yards per carry, that's a very good game in our eyes. So if we can average three to four yards per carry, we need to keep feeding Toa. But their defense is allowing us to pass the ball a little bit more. And like we've been saying, we broke it on Twitter on Tuesday. Malik Henry is out he is focusing on schoolwork. He's not suspended, but he is just more or less focusing on school, focusing on his personal stuff. That means redshirt freshman Carson Strong will be able will be getting the nod. He'll be playing quarterback. He'll be under center. I guess he's finally healthy, and we'll be able to see what he does against this defense. Yeah, I mean, like you said, on paper, it uh, doesn't look too well for our offense. You know, having them being kind of one of the better run defenses in the Mountain West. And we saw another good one last week against Utah State. Yeah. We saw the same thing, a very good linebacker in Utah State. We have another one, good one in Logan Wilson. So it's going to be really tough for our offensive line to get a push on this defensive line, um, even though they are a little bit smaller. I mean, the 22 sp- sacks on the season speaks for itself. I mean, this defense can really bring it to you, and we're going to really have to exploit the pass defense. I think Carson will need to play very well. Maybe not very well, but well in this game uh, if we want to have a shot to win. Their run defense is what kind of scares me. Having all these solid numbers and being our team is kind of transitioned into more of a run game after um, in our spread offense. Um, it's going to be a really tough game for the offense to try to get a push, and we really need the offensive line to step up this week. Yeah, in their first game against Missouri, just to kind of give you an idea of how their offense works and how our defense will be able to stack up against them. I would say you put like nine in the box and just run two over, <laughs> just run two on each like wide receiver and just stop this run. Because, I mean, against Missouri, they did beat Missouri. Sean Chambers had a whopping six completions, 16 attempts in the air. He threw for 92 yards, zero touchdowns, zero INTs, but he ran the ball 12 times for 120 yards and a touchdown. So it really is almost like a second running back in there. And, well, I guess even it would be your, it would be a starting running back as a quarterback that can also throw the ball, basically yeah. is what it would be like. Because their second running back technically isn't even Sean Chambers. It's the it's Valade. So it's just interesting to watch how their offense is so unique and different from a lot of the other college offenses out there and the way they stack up against our defense is fairly well however like we've been pointing out injuries have have been a problem even though they match up with our defense Lucas Weber out for the year Cameron Toomer out for the year Daniel Brown still questionable we're gonna have to rely on a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience to stop this very very prolific run team and don't get us wrong when we talk about Sean Chambers running He's a typical Wyoming quarterback, one of those big, big kind of mountain guys. He's 6'3", 218. He's not no little like Michael Vick or uh, Lamar Jackson kind of skinnier quarterback. Right. He's a he's a big boy, and when he gets going downhill, it's kind of scary to watch. But, yeah, like you said, the injuries have really, really hurt us this season, especially right now when we kind of need 
that leadership of Lucas Weber. We need Cam Toomer coming off the edge and um, either disrupting a pocket or filling up some holes. That is going to be two big keys that I think Nevada fans should look out for is kind of how their backups play this week against a very good run team and um, when we really kind of need our run stoppers. This game is ma- is shaping up to be a very difficult game for the pack for many reasons, injuries, the questions at the quarterback position, the questions at the overall team morale. Just there's it's been uncertainty with the pack football team. Yet if we can force some turnovers with this team, I think it's a game that not a lot of people are expecting. Wyoming is very good at taking care of the ball. They rank 10th ten, uh, in the FBS. They are tied with a couple other teams in turnover margin. They have a plus 7 turnover margin, and they average at least one turnover a game. So while they are very they're positive in the turnover margin, we need to force at least a couple turnovers in this game to at least have a shot, which is something that our defense has been pretty good at over the past couple games, especially in the beginning of the season and now uh, last game as well is Forcing turnovers, and now what I would like to see and what our team needs is offense converting and taking advantage of these turnovers and not just, you know, sending Brandon Talton out on the field and then hoping that your defense can stop him at four plays later after a three and out. Yeah, I, th- I think you just took the words right out of my mouth is points off turnovers is going to be huge this game. And not just three points. We need seven. We need Devontae Lee at the one-yard line punching that ball in like a little wrecking ball he is. Yeah. And we need this team to make some plays, and I think that's where really Carson's going to come into come into play. Is you know this is going to be a tough game, and it's, it's in Wyoming. Um, the elevation is seventy two thousand feet or something like that, the highest in either the FBS or the Mountain West. I heard that stat somewhere this week, but it's going to be a real tough one for Carson and the rest of the offense to you know if we get good field position, we need to score points, and that's something that. This Wyoming defense is also very good good at is red zone defense. You know, they bend, but they don't break. And that's kind of been their kind of motto this year um, inside the red zone. But, yeah, I agree. Carson's going to have to um, really kind of push the envelope when we get turnovers. Um, Toe is going to need to find some holes, and um, the receiver's going to make plays. But, yeah, points off turnovers is definitely one of my keys to the game, and I think it should be um, – something to look out for as well yeah red zone offense is interesting that you brought that up because they are very like offense in our minds their red zone defense is very very good they only gave up i think nine touchdowns in the red zone but they have six interceptions so key for matt mummy and jay norvell and company is to run the ball in the red zone do not pass the ball in the red zone because they get a lot of turnovers in the red zone, and they're very good when their back is up against the wall. So I think one of the keys is not seeing Brandon Tolton a lot. And if we do, then we know that our offense cannot convert, and they're just not clicking. And that is something I'm a little scared of with Carson in. But with Carson in, I do think we need to utilize the running backs. Toa Tawa should be getting the bulk of the touches. Kelton Moore is questionable heading into this game. Toa is averaging 4.5 yards per game. Rush, we rank 97th in the ru- in rushing yards per game at 134 per game. Devontae Lee will be used, obviously, in uh, short yardage situations, red zone packages. If we need to run someone over, we'll put him in. But I think Toa's going to get the amount of touches. Hopefully we see Kelton Moore back in because while he might not be used that much at the running back position, 
he's still a leader in this offense when we desperately, desperately need a leader on this offense somewhere. It's obviously not coming from the quarterback position. It's not coming from Jake Nelson at the offensive line position. Our wide receivers seem like they don't aren't that vocal, so we need someone in this team to step up, and I think it might be Kelton Moore to kind of lead this offense, and while he might not be in all the time, at least give some senior leadership to this group. Um, like we've been saying, this is a good game for our defense, though. They run the ball a lot. We stopped the ball. Uh, we stopped the run pretty well. We rank 42nd in the country in rushing yards allowed per game at 134. However, like we've been saying, a lot of injuries plaguing this defense. Do you have some keys to the game as we're looking ahead to tomorrow? Yeah, I think kind of with every game, I mean, turnover mar- margin for the pack is going to be huge. And my only real other key is our defense really needs to disrupt their offensive line somehow because mm-hmm. that is where they make their money. That is their bread yeah. and butter on offense is that offensive line because this run-heavy team, if we can confuse some of these younger offensive linemen um, with different stunts, different blitz packages, um, just different looks. I think if we can do that and disrupt them and kind of slow down their running game, uh, this defense is going to have a heck of a day and our offense is going to, you know, do what they do. But I think... Do what they do. Because <laughs> you never know with right, our offense. I know. But I yeah, know. I definitely think that's my only other key is really just to disrupt this offensive line because Wyoming's can't go anywhere without that line. And if we can really disrupt them with a bunch of different looks, I think it's going to be a long day for that Wyoming offense. Would I be wrong in saying that this is going to be a very, very defensive game? I don't think so at all. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of scoring. I, I just don't see it. I mean, the what was the over-under was set at 40, 42. 42 and a half, 43 and a half, and that was the lowest I think since way back when. I think it might. Don't quote me on this, even though I know I should have my facts straight, all right? <laughs> But I did see that it might be the second lowest point spread in Wolfpack history. Yes, I believe you are correct. And it's matched, it was like a Nevada-Miami game in like yeah. the 80s or 70s or something like that. And I don't even know if I want to take the over. And like we said, we're not a bet. We're not betting guys. But I don't even know if I take the over on this one. Even though it is so low, I just don't see either team scoring. Because, at least for us, they have a very good run defense, which is literally the only thing that is working for our offense right now is running the ball. So And they have a very good run defense, so we will struggle running the ball. And then we have Carson and a QB who I think, obviously we've been saying this, is a good quarterback, but it's his first game back, and this revolving door quarterback situation keeps coming up. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, but our offense cannot succeed when we have a revolving door quarterback. And especially with Carson in, he's gonna, we're going to have to rely on him a lot, especially because of what their defense is and what their identity is. We are going to have to rely on our quarterback a lot, which in this case is Carson. So it, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I agree. I think if our defense can come out the way they did at Utah State, just really stopping them, forcing third down, non-conversions on third down, um, I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. I agree with you. It's going to be... I feel like it's going to be tight, and then the second half is really going to – those locker room adjustments are going to be huge um, coming into this game. Seeing them, what fronts they come out in, um, seeing Carson Chambers – or Sean Chambers, is how he's going to run the ball. Is he getting effective yardage or is he getting holes And that offensive line? I think the halftime adjustments for Jay Norvell and the Pack are going to be one of the bigger things to kind of look out for um, in the second half. 
But yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a really, really low scoring game. Uh, it's going to be a close one too. I don't. I could see this going either way. Right. Yeah, I could see this one going either way as well. It's one that I had a W in before the season started. Me too. But now I'm not so sure, just like everyone else. And now we aren't favorites. There's, we, no. um, we are definitely underdogs going into Wyoming, playing at that elevation, and seeing you know just how our team has been playing. We are definitely underdogs in this situation. One of my keys, I have many keys just because of how our team has been playing, but <laughs> yeah. one of the many keys that I have, I think is the most important, is how Carson plays. Carson doesn't even need to play. Like, he doesn't have to have a great game. Carson does not have to play like a stud. Carson does not have to throw the ball like an offensive MVP. He has to not turn the ball over and throw two-yard slants to our wide receivers and hand the ball off. If he can do that effectively, I think we have a chance to win this game. Just don't turn the ball over and don't make stupid throws when you should be throwing the ball out of bounds. Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with you in the sense that I think he has to limit the turnovers. If we turn the ball over a couple times, this game's over. I mean, there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I if agree. we have, I'd say, more than like two or three turnovers, we're losing this game 100%. Yeah. We need to play a clean game. The penalties or something that's been a real issue as of recently. We kind of talked about at the beginning of the year. It started to fade away in that kind of little couple-game stretch, and now it's seeming to kind of sneak back into our lives. Um, but I think Carson needs to have a good game. I think he can't just sit in the pocket and throw those two-yard slants, like you said. I think he needs to do a little bit more. Um, I know that's kind of a lot asking for a redshirt freshman. Um, his first game back in couple games now and it's a road game against a, a good Wyoming defense but I think he needs to kind of do a little bit more than just sit in the pocket and make some check down throws I think he needs to really command this offense and if he can you know start finding some of those outs those 10 yard outs some of the maybe like little slants like you said five yard two yard whatever I think that can really open up the deep ball and something he struggled with I think if he can complete a couple of those deep ball passes it'll really give him the confidence uh to start kind of rolling with the offense and it's going to be a long day for that Wyoming defense if Carson really gets going and starts feeling himself. I'm just scared that if he does throw the ball downfield, that those like the turnovers we've been talking about is going to start creeping in. I, I, the more he throws downfield and the more he throws in general, the more chances they have to pick the ball. And they pick the ball at a very high rate. And if we, like you said, just turn the ball over once or twice, three times it's over. Like We need to yeah. limit these turnovers. And with him throwing downfield, I have a feeling that those turnovers are going to start creeping into our team. But at the same time, like you've been saying, it's hard because they stop the run so well that it's like, well, well then what else are you going to do? You, yeah. If you're not going to throw the ball with Carson, you're not going to run the ball. It's like literally how are you going to get points? Yeah. Even though, I mean, we can't score less than we have been over the past couple games. So it's like, you know, might as well. Might as well throw throw the ball all the time and throw the ball downfield. But um, quick note on the penalties, though. A little interesting statistic that I thought was not so fun for the pack, but definitely interesting. We have 64 total penalties on the year. We average 9.14 penalties per game. That is tied for 126 out of 130 teams. Fourth worst in FBS. And And that's tied with Syracuse and Louisiana Monroe. We are ahead of Cincy and Tulsa. Who uh, Tulsa beat Wyoming, but some, I mean, but we need to cut down on these turnovers, and that is inexperience, and that is young football players at their best. I mean, just 
just penalties left and right. I mean, we saw it last game on the one yard line, penalty. Yeah. You marching on the field, penalty kills our drive, absolutely out it. Like, so for us to be successful, we need to cut down the turnovers and cut down on the penalties. Pass the ball well, run the ball well, stop their run. Anything else I'm missing, Tyler? Out maybe we... maybe don't let Sean Chambers throw the deep ball as well, um, and then uh, block a punt or a kick, and we should be sorted, right? Yeah, don't let our punts get blocked because somehow that seems like a reoccurring segment. Don't let their their special teams run the ball back for a touchdown on the opening kickoff after you score. It's like, okay, I don't want to go off a tangent. We've already done that, but I, what I'm saying is like, there's there's a lot of things that the pack need to do to win this game. Do you have a score prediction and seeing how this game's going to go? I mean, score prediction's going to be low. I think I think Sean Chambers gets a touchdown. I think um I think Xander rushes for probably like two just short yardage ones. Um I think they score I think they score 21 and we score 10. I don't see us scoring a lot of points on this defense cuz we're going to rely on Carson and although I'd love to see him have a great game and kind of find his groove, I don't think that's going to happen in Wyoming. Um, I do see us losing 21-10. It's going to be a tough one for the pack. If they don't change some of those mistakes, uh, it's going to be a long day. We have been getting predictions right in the sense of we kind of predict how who's going to win and lose, but we haven't been so well on the score prediction yeah. part so of I'm, it. So I'm perfect on the year, by the yeah. way. Still on, yes, on still predictions. On predictions, but my scores are always like right. at least like 10, 14 <laughs> points off of both sides. So going into this recording session, I had him at 10 as well. But now that I'm talking about it, us scoring 10. But now that I'm talking about it, I think we can get a BS touchdown towards either the— garbage time touchdown. Right, right. So I think it's going—we're going to score 17 points. I think Toa is going to have a touchdown and Devontae Lee is going to have a touchdown. I don't see Carson having a touchdown this game. And then obviously— I mean, it'd be stupid as for us to say that Brandon Tolan's not going to score at all. So obviously, yeah, he's going to have a he's field gotta goal. He's got to have at least one field goal. At least one field goal because we know that if we get to the red zone, our our offense isn't going to be able to punch it in. So Brandon Tolan's at least going to get one field goal. But I think they're going to score twenty four points. I have the final at seventeen twenty four. We I do have us losing just because of us being away, a new quarterback. I'm praying that I'm wrong because I really think this team needs to wake up. And this would be the perfect game to wake up to and just, you know, getting this win before heading to uh, New Mexico would be a huge win because then New Mexico's almost, well, I don't want to say a lock, but it's it's up there. Like, yeah. it, I see I see us beating New Mexico. So to get this win at Wyoming and then to New Mexico before that brutal road stand of uh, San Diego State, Fresno State, I think this would be a huge game. But I, I do think we lose 17-24 some breaks could go our way. We could get a couple turnovers to win this game, but it will be interesting to watch. Like we said, tomorrow, noon their time, but 11 a.m. our time, guys. Make sure we watch. It's going to be on AT&T Sportsnet. It's going to be a great game overall. I think it's going to be an exciting game for the Pack fans to watch no matter what happens come tomorrow. Any last thoughts about how this football team is going to play tomorrow? Not really. I mean, we just got to take care of our own stuff and right. – make them, you know, do some of the things that we've done recently. Honestly, that's kind of what it boils down to. We have to correct our mistakes and make them make mistakes. And if that happens, I could see it's turning away, but it's kind of a long shot looking at the game on paper right now. I agree. It is it is a long shot just like what you said just on paper, but yeah, it's it's not looking too good for the pack. Will be it'll be interesting to watch come tomorrow, so make you make sure you guys tune in. But moving on, guys, let's talk about some volleyball because while they haven't 
done too hot. I think it's important to watch as the season concludes because we have a couple big games coming up. Uh, the Nevada volleyball team is headed back on the road for two matches before returning to Virginia Street Gym for Halloween. Spooky volleyball, anyone? Spooky volleyball. <laughs> I think they're doing something with the kids afterwards, which is kind of cool. I think they're doing like a trick or trick treat. Or treat. Yeah, so if you guys have some young ones and you're listening to this episode, make sure you guys get out to Virginia Street Gym uh, for Halloween. You guys will be able to trick or treat. Heck, I might dress up and go and trick or treat. <laughs> I haven't been trick or treating in some time. I might dress up and go and watch some volleyball while I'm at it. But at, before that Halloween game, we are on the road, nationally ranked Colorado State in Fort Collins, Colorado, tomorrow, October 26th at noon. So while this might kind of conflict with the football game, you could have dual screens on. You could have a laptop screen on, going on volleyball. You could have the TV, playing for football. But this is a huge game, guys. I don't want to sugarcoat this at all this is a huge game for volleyball number 14th in the country colorado state still undefeated in the mountain west this is the team to take down if we need if we are looking for any shot in the postseason tournaments this is a team we need to beat so i am excited for this game tomorrow i don't know if we can beat them because of how we've been playing we've had a lot of mental mistakes the team just doesn't look like they've been playing the same since the start of the season Thursday's game was Thursday's game, and now we're looking at a very, very hard team against Colorado State in Colorado, not even at VSG. Yeah. So this game has a lot of implications for how the season's going to end and if we're going to be playing uh, past the Mountain West, past our last game in the Mountain West. I agree. The mental mistakes have been killing us recently in volleyball, and I think another big key that we kind of saw in the beginning of the season – but are now starting to not see is winning first sets. I think when we get down early, we have fought back and won before, which is amazing to see, but it's always easier for a team if you take that first set, get a little bit of pressure off your shoulders, and then really kind of push the envelope on the other team. That's what we really saw the volleyball team do in the first in um, preseason play and early Mountain West play was they were winning first sets, and they really pushed the tone on teams. Kayla Foa was throwing it down their throats. Sydney Peterson yep. was blocking left and right. So I think that's going to be a real key, especially with a nationally ranked Colorado State team. If we don't win the first set, it's going to be ugly because this team really knows how to play the game very well and they're very fundamentally sound. Um, but if we take that first set, I could see us really pushing the envelope and kind of taking it to them on their home court. Um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Our nationally ranked team not too many times our volleyball team gets to play a nationally ranked team, so that's always uh, kind of exciting to watch. But, yeah, first set is going to be huge because if we win that first set, I could see us, you know, taking the game. Yeah, we. It, it seems like we have been losing the first set a lot. We've been kind of going down, and that causes, you know, the team to have to fight back and fight to that fourth and fifth set to really win the game, and that's it's not easy to do, especially against some some decent teams. We need Sydney Peterson to step up. She's been great all season. We need Dalen Burns to step up. And obviously, Kayla Foe has been doing what she needs to do. This whole team just needs to kind of find it in themselves to say, you know, how are we going to finish the season? Are we going to finish it on a high note? Or are we going to finish it, you know, losing back-to-back games and just not doing so well? So the game tomorrow, I'm going to be watching closely. It'll be a fun one to watch. So we stay tuned for the recap come Monday on overall just as the season's winding down but another season that is winding down is soccer Mm -hmm. 
currently third to last place in the Mountain West. I have two takeaways from that. One is we aren't the worst team in the Mountain West. That's my first takeaway because nice. there's I mean there's two two teams worse than us. I think it's UNLV. Yes. And I'm blanking on that last team, but I mean as, as at least we aren't the worst team. UNLV is dead last in the Mountain West, which means we are better than the Little Brothers down south. That's my second takeaway. That's always the best takeaway, I feel like. It's because of any season. Right. It's like, you know what? We may be not as good. We may even be bad. But we're not as bad as UNLV. At least we'll take the Silver State Series. That's what I'm saying. And you know what's cool is we end the entire season against UNLV. So that would be a cool game to watch and uh, see if we can at least squeak out another win. But Nevada, 3-12 and on the year, 2-6 and in the Mountain West, is welcoming Colorado State, who is 10-5-1, and and 5-3 and in the Mountain West, and then Wyoming, who is 6-6-4, six, six and four, and then 5-4-1 and one in the Mountain West. Today and Sunday, as it fights for a the final spot in the Mountain West tournament, we'll be able to see if that actually happens. That would be kind of amazing how we started the season, and if we actually do make the Mountain West tournament, I mean, that, that would be crazy. Friday night's contest against the Rams will be senior night, with kickoff slated for 6.30 tonight, and then Sunday's match against Wyoming scheduled for noon. Gabby Brown, freshman, is Killing it, continuing to dominate for the pack in her freshman season, averaging five shots per match, which ranks seventh in the nation and first among freshmen. Goalkeeper, MVP in our eyes, Kendall Stovall, 87 staves, are is 16th most in the nation. Damn. Crazy. She is absolutely killing it. And you know what? We get another year with her and Gabby Brown, so that will be cool to watch next year. The Rams will come to Mackey Stadium tonight. As the Wolfpack celebrates Senior Day, 10-5-1, and 5-3 and is what Colorado State is. They have scored 19 goals as a unit while only allowing 12. Gabby McDonald, Colorado State's goalkeeper, is tied with Kendall Sovel with 87 saves this season. So while we have a very good goal- goalkeeper in net, so does Colorado, so that'll be interesting to watch. Wyoming, who we play Sunday, they have scored 25 goals entering the weekend by eight different scores on the season. Summer Teubi leads the team with 10 points and 5 goals, including one game winner. Wyoming has only allowed 26 goals on the season. Now, these two teams are very good at stopping offenses and not allowing goals, and that is something that we struggle at very much. So these two games might not be the best for Wolfpack soccer. But, like I said, we end the season against UNLV, so we might be able to squeak out a fourth win, and kind of carry that momentum into next year. Yeah, I mean, two tough, tough matches to kind of wrap up the season for the pack, especially two home matches on senior night. You know, the girls would like a win on senior night, but it's looking more and more like it might go the other way. But you never know. Um, it's We see crazy stuff all the time happen in sports. Um, we could turn it around. We could absolutely torch their goalkeeper. Um, we'll really see who the better keeper is uh, between Kendall Stovall and the Colorado State keeper. So it's going to be kind of interesting to watch that battle, uh, maybe more of a defensive battle, um, like we've kind of seen earlier in the season uh, for pack soccer. And then Wyoming is going to be another tough team. So we'll just, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's kind of we're at the point of the season where um, we're just you know we might have a chance at that last spot in the Mount Must tournament, but you know the way our team's looking right now, it's not looking so likely. But hopefully we. Like we kind of talked about earlier in the week, 
getting some more freshmen in, some more playing time to girls who um, haven't got to play a lot this season, letting them touch the pitch and um, letting them kind of run around and kind of get a feel for the game would be kind of really big for pack soccer just moving forward in the future. Right, and like we've been saying, tonight is senior night. It is slated for 6.30, but the celebration begins 15 minutes before kickoff on Friday night as Nevada will honor Audrey Barham, Sarah Olinda, and Emily Small. So that will be great to see as we honor three seniors. The rest of the team is fairly young, and we'll be able to see how we do uh, next year and see how we fare against you know, some good teams, but I feel like we'll be better than this year, that is for sure. Next, we're going to be talking about women's tennis. The women's tennis team is playing right now, like right now, right now. Past couple days they've been playing, it ends on Sunday, is the ITA Mountain Regional. The women's team split all their matches during its first day, going 4-4 four and four in singles play and 2-2 two and two in doubles play. We have four players advancing in the winner's bracket to the round of 32. The ITA Mountain Regional will take place through Sunday, so Monday. Stay tuned. We have a full recap, so while they're playing right now, we can't really give you the most recap, but on Monday we'll be able to see you know, who played the best, who went the farthest, and see how this women's te- tennis team can do, but I think it's kind of not the brightest spot, but not the worst, splitting all your matches on the first day and at least advancing four players to the bracket of 32. Yeah, I mean, that's more than the men's team had when right. they played last week at the ita regionals yeah um so really good sight to see i mean we had some of the matches that were absolutely dominated by some of our ladies so hopefully they can go pretty far and then the ones that got knocked out in the round of 64 hopefully they can you know pull a julian of art and go to the finals of the consolation uh tournament so that'd be kind of cool to see definitely a sport to keep an eye on as we move forward and then wrapping up the episode today is men's golf my boys oh yeah and they impressed They impressed in their latest tournament, to say the least. After tying for the top team score of the final round, Nevada men's golf earned a third-place finish at the Visit Stockton Pacific Invitational. Third place. They are absolutely killing it. I mean, their first tournament, or second tournament of the year, they finished third. And then now they're finishing third again, Sam Harn who finished first in his first ever or his first ever top, like number 1 finish uh, in the in his collegiate career. He got a second finish this tournament. I think he tied with one other person yeah. to finish runner up, but all in all a great great tournament for men's golf. The Wolfpack along with Santa Clara both shot the low team score of the day with an 8 under par for 280. Wow. That allowed Nevada to jump one spot on the leaderboards and into third, which is tied for its best finish of the season, like we just stated. The pack finished the event at 11 under par, just five shots back of the team champion San Jose State, another Mountain West foe who apparently has been doing not so bad in men's golf, and two shots behind number five in the country, BYU, for the runner-up spot. The 11 under par finish marks the team's best two par score of the season. Leading the way for Nevada was senior Sam Harn, who picked up a tie for second place in the 96 player field. So, second place out of 96 players is pretty darn good. Harn shot all three of his rounds under par, including a tournament best 68 of the final day. You know what? I think the other day I just shot a 68 at, uh, at the one in, in Reno here. At Montreal? 
at Montreux. Yeah. I think I shot a 68, man. You got the and, scorecard to prove it, or? Uh, I think I might have lost the scorecard. Yeah. Oh. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, all three of my rounds, I think, were under par. And I shot a 68 on the final day. Wow. I mean, <laughs> you are some golfer. Call me Sam Harn, man. I'm, I'm just an animal <laughs> on here. But, no, honestly, Sam Harn had a great, great tournament. Shout out to him. He may or may not be a pack player of the week, but I'm thinking he is because that is well. If you're not going to put him in there, I will. Yeah, so I mean we'll that's. Say that right I mean now. that's pretty impressive. I think he's going to be pack player of the week. We both run Twitter, all right? I get, yeah. I get some choice in <laughs> there. There you go. Matching Harn on the final day was fellow senior Tony Gill, who also turned in a four under round of 68. Gill rose 23 spots of, on the individual standings to secure a top 15 finish at two under for the tournament. So shout out to Tony Gill as well. Nevada wastes little time in getting back to competition as it will travel to Iwa Beach, Hawaii Ooh. next week to compete in the Hokulele CC Invitational. So, I mean, that's great for the men's golf team, but is there any way I can sneak into like one of their carry-ons and like go to uh, go to uh, Hawaii for a little bit? I think we need to pull our uh, our pull our media privilege to go on this trip. Yeah, and get some coverage in Hawaii. Yeah, we might just carry our press passes around, and just go to Hawaii for the heck of it to watch this men's golf team work. But no, this has been a very good team, and uh, they've been competing at a very high level. A sport to kind of keep your eye on if you're a Wolfpack fan, and we'll be able to see how they do in Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, shot shooting the eight under. I believe they shot that in the last round. It's kind of similar to what they did in the Badger Invitational in the first tournament of the year where they shot, I think, six or seven under on that final round to really push them up the leaderboard. So some really clutch golfing from this whole team um, in general. And I think someone who isn't getting a lot of credit because Sam Horn is you know, taking up these top yeah. five finishes all the time is Tony Gill. Yeah. We've talked about him a couple times but never really emphasized how important that is to kind of have your number two guy shooting these low – carded scores because right. that's really what pushes the team up the leaderboard as we know golf in the mountain west in college is a team sport mm -hmm. even though it is kind of an individual sport in you know professional and stuff like right. that but as a team sport you can have a dude like sam hard shoot that six seven eight under um but if you don't have guys behind him that are shooting low scores um you're not going to go anywhere as a team so i think really kind of the underappreciated dark horse this year is tony gill who's been playing you know incredibly well this season as a senior, really stepping up and um, really pushing this team onward and upward. But yeah, this team is is really stroking the ball really nice right now, and they get to you know have a nice little workcation in yeah. Hawaii, I guess you would call it. Um, so hopefully they enjoy that, taking all those sites, but play some really uh, good golf as well, and just kind of keep this trend going. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Tony Gill. I mean, it really helps when your second golfer is finishing top fifteen in a tournament. I mean, that really helps out the team in general. So, uh, yeah, shout-out to Tony Gill and Sam Harn. Look for Pack Player of the Week on Sunday, guys. We'll be able to do it. I'm going to set an alarm. I swear we're going to do it this week. Uh, it'll be interesting. Maybe we'll have a football player on there. Hopefully volleyball steps up. And you never know, soccer can surprise us. And uh, we could have a women's tennis uh, player just kind of break out too and go all the way to the final day, which would be really fun as well. But all in all, any last thoughts before we wrap up the episode? You know, we've been saying, you know, Pac Sports needs to have a good week, needs to have a good week. Hopefully they have a good week. I think, you know, for us to be successful as a athletic department this week, there's going to be a lot of people who have to step up on the football field, on the soccer pitch, on the volleyball court, and on the tennis court. So, you know, a lot of good sports to watch out for this week. Definitely bring out your laptops, bring out your TVs, uh, so you can, you know, keep up with all the away sports that are going on. And then get out to Mackey tonight and on Sunday to kind of show 
appreciation for those women's soccer players. They've been really battling all season. Um, just unfortunate, caught a couple of bad breaks, but um, hopefully they can kind of finish the season strong here. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for the pack to do well this week in all sports. Thank you guys so much for giving us your guys' time, and let's go pack.